This week's Judge John Hodgman was recorded in front of a live audience at the Wilbur Theater in Boston, Massachusetts. Tonight, soul custody. Brian brings Angela to court over her shoe collection. Brian says she has too many shoes, but they're too important to Angela to get rid of. Who's right, who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. I was sad because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. So I said, got any shoes you're not using? Jesse Thorne, swear them in. Please raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, or whatever? Yes, I do. Yes, me too. <laughs> do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he refuses categorically to wear shoes of any kind? <laughs> yes. Yes, sure. <laughs> Very well. Please sit. Angela, Brian, for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors, can either of you name the piece of culture or the speaker of the culture that I spoke as I walked into the courtroom? Uh, let's see. Angela, you are brought here against your will by Brian, so you can guess first or you can ask Brian to guess first. Which shall it be? Brian will guess first. Brian will guess first. A classic maneuver. <laughs> Brian, you must guess, and you must guess. You cannot say, I don't know. Um, uh, some homeless people down the street, maybe? Some homeless people <laughs> down... That's not a really popular culture. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sad tableau of urban despair. <laughs> but we shall... We shall put it in the guest book anyway. Angela, I think you have a pr really good chance to guess correctly. If this were a game about uh, who was less wrong, you are already gonna win. But unfortunately, the only way to win is to be right. So what is your guess, Angela? Okay, a little closer to the mic, Angela. <laughs> um, some crazy driver in town? Okay. A crazy I'm, driver in town. Crazy driver. If anyone missed that? In town. Was that, was that a Boston-based sitcom of some kind? I'm trying to follow the rules of not saying certain words on stage, you know? Oh, okay. As a matter of fact, uh, all guesses are wrong, especially since neither of those were a piece of popular culture a book, a film, a movie, or an entertainer of any kind. I was, in fact, quoting an entertainer, and uh, people enjoyed the joke in the room, but there was not better laughter because I am not a genius like the genius of Boston-based and born and bred comedian Stephen Wright, who wrote that joke. <laughs> Whom I once saw 
at a diner when they had such things in Brookline Village when I was maybe 15 years old. And for some reason in my pocket, I had a small uh, figurine of a cow from a farm set, because I was weird. And I walked up to Stephen Wright and I said, I just want you to have this. And he said, thank you. And if he ever listens to this, I bet you still have my cow, Stephen, I want it back. But since you both guessed incorrectly, we have to go ahead and hear this case. And the case is regarding your collection of fashion shoes, Angela. Let the record show that Angela is wearing some incredible shoes right now. It's Don't this. encourage her. Say it again, sir. Don't encourage her, please. I will decide whom I encourage. I discourage you from discouraging me. Sorry, Judge. That's right. Brian, if I may, shut your mile. For those listening at home who are not here at the beautiful Wilbur Theater, uh, or for those people in the Wilbur Theater who are on the second mezzanine and are thus five miles away. <laughs> hello, hello up there. Did you get the oxygen tanks I sent you? Uh, Angela is wearing a beautiful high heeled is a combination of gossamer and glitter and who made those shoes, Angela? Christian Louboutin. Ugh. Now look, Jesse Thorne, you are an expert in uh, menswear of all kind. Tom Brown. Boom. <laughs> you got some sweet rogues on, that's for sure. Thank you. But uh, even I, an, an expert in no clothes, Knows Christian Louboutin is pretty good, right? That's good. Yeah, that's top quality, and they really are beautiful shoes. They really. I, I'm not someone who gets into shoes that much. I don't notice them, but I notice these. And uh, and the the dispute here is that you have too many shoes, according uh, to your boyfriend, husband. I missed it. Husband. Husband. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, how many shoes do you have? How many pairs of shoes do you have? Would you would you estimate? Hughes? I think I close to have 300 pairs of Hughes. <laughs> I'd say that's accurate. <laughs> and that's only heels. So, high heels. Sneakers. Trainers, plimsolls, mm -hmm. no, none of those things. Loafers, Does that, does that head shake indicate that you have none of those types of shoes? <laughs> I'm just picking, picturing you at spinning class right now. <laughs> I do have them, but they are not really important to being counted. You know. They don't. That's a, that's a little shoe racist, if you ask me. <laughs> So we're talking about 300 pair of high heels alone, right? And that's, that's the, that is your collection. That is, does that give you happiness, or are you subject to some strange obsession that you can't control? It makes me happy when I think about them every night before I go to bed. <laughs> Do you have to think about each pair before you are able to go to bed? Do you have to say goodnight to them? I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm coming, Brian! I love you, 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 I love you. Um, I say hello to them once in a while. Where, do they live somewhere else? 
Do you have a storage locker somewhere? Where are they kept? No, they just live, live right next to me to my bed. Where do you, you guys live here in Boston? Wait, right next to your bed or right next to you in your bed? <laughs> I have my true love on my right side, and then I have my 300 other loves on my left side. Your, th your, your 300 secret lovers. Uh, do you have a closet? Or are they just piled no. up in a, in a sparkly pile? They're in a shelf. Uh, we basically, our bedroom is essentially a closet. Ryan, I believe you submitted some evidence to this court, some visual evidence. I did. Um, may we see that piece of evidence and enter it into the deliberations? <laughs> now, I'm, I'm hearing a, a, a number of people uh, spontaneously applauding in admiration. Let, let the record show that the image uh, shows shelves and shelves of very, very beautiful, and I would say well-curated high heels. Uh, what is the pride of your collection? Are it the ones you're wearing now, or is there another pair that you feel really excited about? Um, there's this other pair that I recently acquired. Um, mm -hmm. Hunt down, track down is more of the terms. It came out in 2013, right. and it took me a while, 2016, August 22nd to finally bought them. So you had been hunting three years for this pair of shoes. Yeah. Do you and plan to celebrate that anniversary each year in the future? Maybe I'll take them out for a spin. Ha yeah, do you, have you worn them? Um, yes. Okay. And why was it so hard to find them? Um, I saved up for my shoes. I don't just see something and then I spent my money. I do think about them for three years before I purchased them. <laughs> what was the criteria that led you to choose these shoes? Um, it just stands out to me. It's very unique. And I guess after three years, it, I'm still thinking about them, so I'm like, track them down. Angela, can you describe this uh, pair of what in the sneakerhead community are called grail sneaks? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's by Rene Calvillet. Calvilla, um, they have glitter sole, and is Swaski gold Swaski, and then we have it almost looks like a tuxedo heel. A tuxedo? Mm -hmm. Oh wow! And how much did they cost? Um, retail was sixteen hundred plus tax. Let the audio record show that Judge John Hodgman fainted in amazement. <laughs> Retail sixteen hundred, mm -hmm. and but you paid. I paid. thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually paid nine hundred forty-five dollars. That's a bargain. <laughs> and you saved. You saved up for it. You saved up your money to buy these things. You're no. under oath. Yeah, you're under fake oath. No, I guess part of me waited for three years because I wasn't having a budget back then, and uh -huh. I've been keeping tab on them, and then realized that it came to the came on sale, and then I'm like, okay, I guess now I have a job, not in college anymore. I would be able to spurge. What is when was what is your job and? 
and when were you in college, and how many of your shoes did you purchase before you had a job? And bear in mind that shoe hoarding is not a job. Actually, it is. It could be, you know. Um, when I was in college, I'm actually a blogger, so a lot of mm -hmm. shoes, I do get paid by shoes. You get like, paid in shoes? There are stores who have who send me shoes to have me wear them and feature it on my blog or right. on my Instagram. Right. So it's called craft. Yes. <laughs> you understand what's happening here? These shoe companies are using you. Mm -hmm. And your blog. And you're like, yes, please. <laughs> like, spoken like a guy who did not accept cases and cases of Irish whiskey for free when he wrote about whiskey for men's journal. <laughs> By, uh, by the way, Red Breast is still the best. Uh, Brian, how long have you guys been married? Uh, we've been married since uh, January 11th of 2015. Well, and uh, how long have you known each other before that? We met uh, in college, I think it was 2011. And uh, what college did you go to? High Fashion College for Cobblers? Uh, no. <laughs> We both attended the University uh, of a Pile of Shoes. <laughs> In Shoe Pile, Pennsylvania? <laughs> we it's both a nice attended. little liberal arts school. Yeah, that's great. It's, got, it's actually got quite a music scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of shoe games. <laughs> Don't applaud that. Boo that. That was an amazing Thank you. joke. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. <laughs> I just want to contemplate that joke while looking at my shoes. <laughs> All right, uh, what college? Uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Rensselaer Polytechnic. And, uh, and what did you study there at Rensselaer? I studied uh, computer science. Computer science. And Angela studied nuclear engineering. And is, she, ha she has a master's degree. She has a master's degree in nuclear engineering. And is that the field you're working in now? No. Okay. What, what is the field you're working in now? Um, I'm actually in retail at Kate Spade, New York. Oh, okay. And Brian, when you said she has a degree in nuclear engineering, you almost expressed a kind of sneering disdain. Not for nuclear engineering, but for the fact that she had such an advanced degree, but instead was buying a lot of shoes, like those two things can't go together. Do I represent you accurately there? Did I hear a sneer, sir? Is uh, that a sneer yeah. here? Yeah, I would say yes. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you feel that you were supposed to marry a nuclear engineer, and now she's working in Kate Spade with a lot of shoes, and you're like, what went wrong? Well, when we first met, uh, she was taking me out to dinner quite often. Right. <laughs> And uh, now the shoe is on the other foot. Oh! <laughs> now, so you just I need to consult with my bailiff for saying. Yeah. Now, obviously, objectively, that was a terrible joke. Yeah. Right. Whereas, whereas you're saying that the bands in Shoe Pile, Pennsylvania, play a lot of shoegaze is a mm, beautiful joke. You know, but but it, but a certain there's a certain level of esoterica to that joke, yep. and it only reached a certain it reached the audience that it was meant for and them alone, uh -huh. much like this podcast. Whereas yep. Brian, 
uh, knows a joke that's going to go over, going to reach all four quadrants. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, Brian is actually going to be here next week that's opening, right. opening for Dave Coulier. Yeah, yeah. And by next year, he's going to have five shows like in a row here. He's going to sell them out with the, the incredible shoe humor of Brian, the computer scientist. It was a good, I'm just saying it landed. That's what I'm saying. And you obviously have been working on it for days and I'm grateful to you. Well done. Brian, uh, what do you work in now? Do you have, a, you have a job? Yes, I'm a software developer. A software developer. It seems like you probably make pretty good money. You could take her out to dinner, as it were. Oh, yeah. And when was she... <laughs> Do you have anything that you like, like shoes? How many pairs of shoes do you own? Uh, I'd say I own maybe 10 pairs of shoes. Nine. Nine. <laughs> In your opinion, Angela, is that not enough shoes for Brian, or is that about the right amount? Um, he could have more. Yeah? Yeah. What is the objection, Brian, to the shoe collection? Uh, it just seems a little excessive to me. And uh, Angela, being a tastemaker, I think it's in uh, poor taste. Well, but if, but if she is pursuing a, a career in tastemaking, shoe blogging, isn't this just part of the trade? Uh, it's a part I don't really agree with. Well, well, I'd like to get to the bottom of it. Why don't you agree with it? Do you feel that it is... Um, shameful excess? Do you feel that it's costing you both too much money? Do you feel that shoes are terrible and we should all be barefoot? <laughs> well, I mean... AKA you the UC Santa Cruz defense. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. The Hampshire College defense. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> See, Jesse, now you're getting it. Yeah. Hit them where they live. Yeah. I mean, you only have one pair of feet, right? So, why do you need so many pairs of heels? <laughs> you know, Brian, I think you're a very lucky man. I mean, wouldn't you agree? I do, yeah. I need, I I, but before I can rule one way or the other, I need to hear a, a real, um, um, as honest an argument as you can make as to why you would deny something that obviously brings Angela happiness. Well, and let me give you an example of what arguments are. All right. Okay. <laughs> we can't afford this. It takes up too much space. I think that it is mentally unhealthy. Uh, <laughs> I want my wife to be unhappy. Some kind of affirmative argument that explains why this is a bad idea. Or, it makes me unhappy because. And then you, have, you talk about your dumb feelings there. <laughs> get in there. Let's get deep. Uh, I think it's mainly the, uh, the first two points that you brought up. Uh, the, we live in a small apartment. It's a one-bedroom. Uh, we just got a dog. Uh, and, What's uh, the name of the dog? Shoe? <laughs> Shoebox? His name Pump. is Milo, and he has uh, never once chewed a pair of shoes. Oh, wow. He I'm, gets it. What kind of dog is he? He's a mix. A mix, good. Uh, Angela, I'm surprised you allow a dog in your house. <laughs> yeah, 
I told him the day when he come home, if you chew my shoes, you're going straight back to the shelter. <laughs> Angela knows how to win in court. Threaten a puppy. <laughs> Fine for me or the dog gets hit. Yeah, and I mean, there's just not a lot of room in our house. Uh, I recently, uh, well, in the past year, I had to get rid of my drum set because that was taking up too much room. Oh, I, oh, I see. I think we found the... This is uh, a crux of vendetta. <laughs> Why did you have to get rid of your drum set? Because uh, of uh, space What issues. or who compelled you? Well, there wasn't enough. I had just uh, built the first uh, iteration of the shoe shelf that you see uh, behind you. That you was built that our... yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well done. Well, from Ikea pieces. <laughs> Technically, I hired a guy on Craigslist to yeah. put it together from... But because... Look, honey, I built you a television by buying it. <laughs> you constructed a, a shoe shelf. Yes, that's right. Well, when did you get rid of your drum set? Uh, it was in our last apartment when we were, were living in uh, Jamaica Plain. And now you live where? With roommates. Uh, we, were, we live now in Brighton, in near Brighton. Uh, the Chestnut Hill Reservoir. Yeah. Right, okay. We'll all come home and visit later. Thank you for oh, yeah. giving us those directions. Everyone's welcome. <laughs> and, uh, and you're out on your own for the very first time, together as a married yeah. couple, right? Yeah. No? Yeah. Yes? Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yes? No? Okay, yes. Right. Correct. Just, okay, yeah. Mm, all right. Mm, okay, got it. And you made a sacrifice. Yes. Your drum set. Mm -hmm. You love playing the drums? I do. Are you good at it? Uh, I'm pretty good. Who's your favorite drummer, Neil Peart? Uh, when I was younger, I, I went to a Rush concert. I think that was the first uh, concert my parents ever took me to. Really? Yeah, yeah. You have extremely generous parents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, you could sit down, you know? It's not like... Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, it was, there were seats. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, but you still had to listen to Rush. <laughs> 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 I'm not... I'm just saying maybe his parents weren't into it. That's all. I think the point here is that whether you're standing or sitting, you're listening to a song about a war between the trees. <laughs> How long do you play drums for? I've played drums since I was about uh, 10 years old. Wow. Yeah. And what is your age now, did you say? I'm 26. 26. And now you don't play at all? No. Wow. Uh, do you feel the arc of justice bending towards you? Sympathetically? I hope so. <laughs> it's hard to be sympathetic to a, a drummer, you know. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a t-shirt. I think that's a t-shirt right there. Well, well said. I don't think I've ever met as eloquent a drummer. I've learned to keep quiet. You know. Angela, did you make him get rid of his drums? No. I'll remind you of your under oath. Oh, no. Would it be okay for him to have a drum set in the apartment if it meant you could keep your shoes? Yeah, if he can fit it in. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, there is room. First, he actually suggested, I'll get rid of my drums. I'm like, why? And he's like, there's no room. I'm like, okay. Were you trying to convince her by your passive-aggressive sacrifice that she should make one? I was trying to lead by example, Your Honor. <laughs> Where are your drums now, or did you, did you hock them? Um, yeah, some, uh, some guy bought them from me on Craigslist. This is, this is a sad story. He gave me a t-shirt, though. I don't have it anymore, though. <laughs> I can't remember what it said, either, so... <laughs> this went from being a simple sad story to a weird Raymond Carver story. He was pretty psyched, though. Well, what would you have me order if I were to rule in your favor, now that you have gained the court's sympathy? Uh, I would like, at the very least, a, uh, a one-in, one-out policy, whereby... Uh, one in pair order... in, one pair out. Exactly. I gotcha. Yeah. Angela, why is that not reasonable? Okay. In our house, he has two guitars or bass or something in that shape <laughs> sitting there. Ask him when was the last time he touched them. Wait, you're not answering my question. But here's the thing. I wear my 300 pair of shoes. I rotate them. They actually get used. Right. There are things that he stores in the house. Once per year each. That, <laughs> that just sit there and got dust up. So you're, I, saying, you're saying that because he has a guitar and a bass that he never plays, that I should throw this case out. Or he can sell them again. Make more room for shoes. Mm -hmm. You are merciless, aren't you, Angela? <laughs> Do you love your shoes more than your husband? <laughs> no. I'll, I'll leave no. if. Yeah. <laughs> be more if you left. Be more room for shoes. <laughs> I have a feeling. If you walked out right now, I'd turn around. Next thing I know, that stool would be piled with shoes. Angela, I kind of feel like at this point, the question is, how much could you get for Brian on Craigslist? <laughs> Hopefully more than I got for the drum set. Do you worry that Angela loves, you more, loves shoes more than you, Brian? Maybe a little bit, yeah. I see. Angela, 300 shoes, is that not enough? Or just about right? Just about right. Just about right? Yeah. And, and so are you against the one-in-one-out policy? Yes. <laughs> Is there a maximum number that mm, you... No. Can you afford a storage space? I think we could. No. <laughs> I think that there is a certain amount of financial consideration here, and I hate to ask such questions, but is it fair to say that Brian makes more than you at this time in your marriage? Sure. Okay. And do you think that you will make more money in the future as a tastemaker and a shoe blogger? Do you anticipate doing that, or do you think No, it's... I don't anticipate doing that. So it's just going to be the same. <laughs> is your plan to hawk nuclear secrets to our enemies abroad? <laughs> <laughs> no. Brian, can you, do you think, would you feel more comfortable if there were a storage space where the shoes could live and she could have access to them when she wants? It's sort, sort of like a, a pied-a-terre where she visits her lover from time to time. 
I suppose so. I, I'd prefer if we just big, moved into a larger apartment, you know. When she was taking me out to dinner all the time back in college, I sort of anticipated that we'd be living in a nicer place than we are now. <laughs> so Why you was she able to take you to money? dinner all the time? Were you, did she have more money than you during college? Is that what you're implying? Yeah, that's right. And, and now does she not have that money anymore because it all went into shoes and you're mad because you don't get a lot of free dinners? Um... She doesn't have access to her parents' credit card anymore. I think I've heard everything I need to. I'm going to... Ladies and gentlemen, please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Thank you. You may be seated. Brian, how do you feel about your chances in the case? Uh, I feel pretty good. Um... I think the sob story about my, my drum set and uh, playing second fiddle to a pile of shoes is uh, pretty compelling. Um, Angela, would you say that it's pretty reasonable for a grown man to have about 40 or 50 pairs of shoes? <laughs> and if you could address this to Teresa Thorne. <laughs> Why not? When you put on the suit and you don't have a reasonable, a decent pair of shoes to put on to your friend's wedding, I think you need to shop for more. What if you have like eight or ten decent pairs of shoes for a friend's wedding? <laughs> uh, but you probably need 15 or 20, right? <laughs> I think that's my perspective on it. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll see what Judge John Hodgman has to say about all of this. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. You may, you may be seated. Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot, because Angela clearly has a passion, and you like what you like is one of the strongest precepts of this fake internet court. And not only does she like what she likes, but she likes beautiful things. I mean, the shoes, I am not a person who normally appreciates women's shoes, but every one of these up here, as far as I can tell, is a winner. Is there, are people out there who like shoes think I'm correct? And, you know, it is uh, challenging in a marriage when someone has a passion that is so powerful uh, and so non-remunerative. <laughs> and yet so deep and personal to them to not feel that perhaps uh, they love that thing more than you. And if you lose sight of the fact that they do love you uh, and start to worry too much about the passion that they have, whether that is a job or a hobby or whatever it is, uh, they will, uh, I'll say it, love you less. <laughs> and yet, as much as I feel, Angela, that your taste is impeccable and your passion is uh, pure and sincere, uh, and I think the fact that you have given up what might have been a lucrative career as a nuclear engineer, I mean, is there money in that? I don't know. Is there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's money in that. I'm Ask just... Mr. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> in order to work in the world of fashion and, and be a, a, a retail associate at Kate Spade and buy as many shoes as you can, right? You have, to, you have to offer some consideration to the fact that 
Even though he did it in a rather passive-aggressive way, Brian gave up his drum kit and is trying and is funding this whole operation more or less, wouldn't you say? Could you can you afford all these shoes if you were by yourself in the world? He doesn't pay for any of these. Well, you guys share money now. You understand that, right? That's what being married is. That's why it's such a goddamn drag. <laughs> because yeah. you take a romantic relationship and turn it into a business partnership. <laughs> And I don't want to preside over a courtroom, say, in a world where I would ever say, stop spending your spouse's money on something frivolous. But you guys do share finances, yeah. right? And, and that is, this is not an inexpensive hobby that you have chosen. And you have also said that you do not intend to transform your hobby into a lucrative career in the future. Mm -hmm. is, is that, do I have all that correct? Yeah. All right. <laughs> So I do, even though I feel that Brian um, needs to be very careful about how he perceives your hobby and develop an affection and appreciation for this part of the woman that he loves and has married, because it's never going away, it's always going to be a part of your lives together. You're never going to get rid of the shoes, Brian. You're ne no matter, you could, look, you gave up your drums, the shoes stay. You give up your bass, the shoes will be there. You give up your guitar, the shoes will keep coming. It's like a weird giving tree. <laughs> At the end of the day, if you just keep giving up stuff, hoping that she's going to change, you're going to be a stump in the woods, and she's going to sit down on you and try on some damn shoes. So, I am going to find, with certain clear caveats, in Brian's favor, in that, and the reason for it isn't that he's making more money at this time, or you're out of control with the shoes, because I don't think you're out of control with the shoes. I think you think very carefully about the money that you spend on them, and, the, and they're worth every penny. Uh, pennies in aggregates of thousands of dollars. <laughs> to you, because those financial fortunes may change and shift, and you may get a bigger place, or you may have to move to a smaller place and make changes down the road. No, the reason I am going to order a limit on the number of shoes you may own at any given time is that 300 is a terrible number. It's, it's just not cool. It's just, there's no aesthetic to it. And you, you are too aesthetically awesome to be stuck with a dumb number like 300. You don't want a number of shoes that corresponds to a movie about Spartans. And the, and the solution to me became clear the moment that Jesse Thorne said, about a shoe for each day of the year. About a shoe for each day of the year is not good enough. A pair of shoes for each day of the year. No. You have to create appropriate storage and budget to accumulate another 65 pairs of shoes. Wait, wait. 66 for leap year. One pair for every day of the year is enough. And then thereafter, you're going to have to learn to say goodbye to some shoes as you acquire more because it'll be one in and one out thereafter. That is my ruling. This is the sound of half a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules, that is all.
Brian and Angela, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Brian and Angela. Judge Hodgman, having considered uh, the future of that couple, and let's be honest, my personal future. Yes. Also, 365 pairs of shoes for you, Jesse. Yes. You're all getting a year's worth of shoes. I'm not giving it to you, you're paying for it yourself. Um, I, think it's, I think it's time to do something uh, fresh and new. We actually have a guest on this show. That's right, we, uh, uh, I'm so, I, I think it's fair to say that we are both so thrilled to welcome uh, our musical guest this evening. Um, she is uh, one of my heroes, and I could not believe when she agreed to do the show. Uh, you know her from the Blake Babies, you know her from the Juliana Hatfield Three, and most recently, she's formed a new band with Paul Westerberg called the I Don't Cares, and their new album, uh, the, excuse me, what's the name of the album? Wild Staff. Wild Staff, sorry. More recently, she's formed a band with Paul Westbrook called The I Don't Cares, and her album, uh, Wild Stab, has just come out. Please welcome Juliana Hatfield. Hello, Boston.
something broken like a boat on a windless ocean. I kind of wanted to stay this way, no wrong moves, no mistakes. Nothing lost, nothing broken like a boat on a windless ocean. I don't know what to do. ladies and gentlemen. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, Boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024. 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made. Step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame, You can upload as many photos as you want and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously, 
See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. We actually, uh, Judge Hodgman, have some old friends of the show here yes. tonight, uh, and I, I thought we might catch up with them. Uh, do you remember Kara and Colin from episode 208, Sunrise Upset? I do remember them because I have some notes right here. <laughs> As I recall, off the top of my head, Kara brought her husband Colin to court because she wanted him to give up his obsession with waking up with the sun every day. And I ruled that he could continue doing it since he would soon uh, move to Boston and take up a teacher's schedule, uh, which means waking up before the sun. So why don't we have Karen Collin out here to find out what happened? Karen Collin? Karen Collin, ladies and gentlemen. Kara and Colin. Hi, Kara. Hi, Colin. Hi, Josh Hosman. It's, ni- it's nice to meet you both in person. You're exactly as I pictured you, although, Colin, I thought you would be wearing a like a, a, a British uh, Bobby's hat for some reason, but, um, <laughs> but here you are. Uh, how did it go, Kara? Well, he only does the sunrise alarm recreationally now, so I, I said we're, we're on a, a good run. Explain to me again, Colin, why you wanted to wake up every day with the sun. I wanted to uh, resonate with the spheres, and I wanted to, to, I wanted the magnets and the orbits to, to to link up to my schedule. You know what? You're weirder than I remember. (laughs) How long long did your experiment go where you were waking up with sunrise every morning? So I started in, uh, it was probably around February of 2015, um, because I remember it was Chinese New Year, and so I started, I was waking up every morning, and then every morning I was waking up earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier, and then we moved... um, back to Boston from Taipei, and I did it for about a week, and then I realized that I, didn't, I shouldn't do it anymore because I was on vacation and I didn't need to wake up that early. Uh, but then, and then when, uh, you know, when the school year started back up, um, I was waking up at 5 o'clock to go to work, and that was before the sun came up, and it was, um, it was pretty dreary and grim. But now, oh, but then, uh, toward the end of the school year, um, in April, I started realizing that I could wake up at like 5.46 and still get to work on time. So then I started waking up earlier and earlier and earlier. And then summer vacation happened. And then I was waking up earlier and earlier and earlier. And well, then, yeah, but then, it, no, so then I, started, I, got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Oh. <laughs> Finally, July has come. You have this all written down in a log somewhere, I presume. <laughs> maybe, maybe etched in your own blood. Well, I mean, it's the, it's the alarm on my phone. I have it in my phone right now. This morning I woke up at 628 because it's Sunday. I didn't have to go to work. So, and that was sunrise today? Yeah, today was 628, yeah. On the East Coast, in Boston, Massachusetts. Kara, do you need any help? Lots. Yeah. Karen, Colin, we're about to move into a segment which we call Swift Justice, where we're going to adjudicate a bunch of cases in a very short period of time. Um, do you happen to have any new disputes that we could settle for you right here, right now? There is one thing. Oh, good. 
Um, so recently, Colin bought a jaw harp, and... <laughs> cool. That's the twangy thing. The thing about the jaw harp is, you don't need one to make those noises. That, of course, is not to be confused with Tuvin throat singing, which goes wow, 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 wow. I thought we had a thing. These and the didgeridoo are the official instruments of my college town of Santa Cruz, California. All right, so I almost don't need you to elaborate on your dispute. Simply saying my husband bought a jaw harp is usually enough to give me a sense of what the problem is. There's a jaw harp in your life. But why don't you just go on a little further and let me know how it bothers you? Sure. So he, he's practiced a couple times, and I think practicing sounds the same as playing. But uh, he's brought it out unprompted once already when we had friends over. And I'd like an injunction preventing... What, what, would, the, what would the prompt sound like? <laughs> hey, wow, I bought this dinner was harp. great. Do you have anything that goes... Rom, 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 rom? <laughs> what would you like for the injunction? Um, not bringing the jaw harp out unprompted and also not goading anyone into telling him to bring out the jaw harp. Colin. Let the record show that I silently prompted and I was not goaded. So you have permission to perform. I, you know, Judge, I'm, I'm, I'm still I'm a bit of a novice, you know. I, I, don't, I don't practice that often. But I uh, that's fine. That makes it... Uh, let the record show that it is a Snoopy brand jaw harp. <laughs> Snoopy's harp, featured in the motion picture A Boy Named Charlie Brown, an early Charlie Brown cartoon that I don't think has been aired for 25 years. And uh, where did you find where did you find this at a music store? Hey, I'm allowed to um, buzz market the, the uh, Mr. Music in Austin. I got it Mr. right. Mr. Music in Austin. Yeah. Ladies, was it was it hard to decide between Snoopy's harp and Popeye's washboard? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I walked in there and I, I went up to the well. First, I you know I kind of cased the store a little bit and I walked up to the register and I asked I asked the man behind the register. I said, um, "Hey, man, do you guys sell jaw harps?" And he said, "Yeah." And it was actually right next to the register, so it was very convenient. Why did you? Why were you? Why are you out looking for a, a jaw harp unprompted? We we had gone to the Museum of Fine Arts. The um, uh, I think the Friday beforehand. This is back in August, and uh, they had an exhibit. Yeah, I don't need to know the exact dates. <laughs> you went to the Museum of Fine Arts and you saw something there. What did you see? A, a jaw harp, Judge. <laughs> I'm still I'm still working on it. You know I got. I like it. That was, that was the Modern Lover song, Government Center. I don't know. That was a, it was I a like how you find yeah. your passions. I, I like how you follow them with uh, diligence and enthusiasm, uh, e even to, sometimes to the detriment of the people around you. 
and I, and I suspect that on some level, Kara also likes and loves that about you, too. And uh, I think that uh, I'm excited that you saw a jaw harp one day, and it brought you to this stage. Now you're playing in front of 1,100 people. That's a meteoric rise in the jaw harp world. And I, I order you to practice, practice, practice. Uh, do not, but the thing about a jaw harp is you cannot play that thing until you're about to change someone's mind about what they think about the jaw harp. Like until you're so good, they're gonna be like, wow, I'm sorry I ever said that about the jaw harp. You're amazing. And with all fairness, you're not there yet. So keep, you're doing, you're doing great. Keep getting up early, uh-huh, and practice. Practice, 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 and you cannot bring the jaw harp out at a dinner until Kara agrees that your uh, guests are going to be blown away and, and will not run away. This is, such is my ruling. Judge Hodgman, are you ready for swift justice? Yes, we got a lot of cases. We're gonna, we're gonna adjudicate them swiftly. I'm setting a timer for 10 minutes. So let's get going, 10 minutes begins. Let's start with Evan and Kristen. Evan and Kristen, to the stage. Please sit down. Kristen, what is your dispute? Uh, actually, I have the dispute. Okay. Hi. Um, so, I, my, my dispute is that Kristen has been playing Pokemon Go while we are out to dinner with my parents, and I would like her to not play Pokemon Go, preferably not any uh, phone game, while out to dinner with my parents. Kristen, what have you got? What'd you get? What'd you capture? Uh, I'm at like, I have like 120 of them. Are you good? Is that good or bad? It's pretty good. Is it so yeah. good? That, uh, it, it, that you have to keep playing in contrary to all social norms and basic... Practice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Why do you want to play Pokemon Go instead of talk to your, uh, your friend's parents? You guys married? Uh, engaged. Engaged. Oh, well, now's not the time to make a good impression. <laughs> well, they, are, they already like me. So. Yeah, all right, so it's already in the bag, so you can yeah. just... Uh, Kristen, why, why are you doing this? Why don't you just put it down and have a nice dinner? I... Uh, I generally don't eat a lot of food, and they All also right. I find don't, in Kristen's favor, then. <laughs> they also don't have a lot of the same topics like him and his dad and his brother talk about a lot of things that I have tried to become a part of the conversation, but... You feel excluded? I get shut Evan, out. Evan, what are you and your dad and your brother talking about? Uh, the band The Pixies, which Kristen doesn't like. Oh, that's rude. <laughs> Wow. That's not true. Okay, this, Does this, she also hate Doctor Who? There may I be a riot. I do not hate Doctor Who. Uh, Kristen, you know who was in the audience at my show yesterday in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts? Who's that? Black Francis. <laughs> That's bonkers. I know. Isn't it? Evan, you and me, right? Let's talk about that with your dad and your brother a little bit. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. New album is great too. I think it's fantastic. How do you think? Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, this is like definitely the most bonkers thing that has happened to us on tour. <laughs> Until we do the San Francisco show and Rap and Forte comes. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Players Club? Yeah. That's my Black Francis. Fair enough, shoegaze. Anyway. 
Uh, yeah, you can't play video games at the table, even if you hate the Pixies, and especially if you hate the Pixies. I don't hate the Pixies. All right, well, still, I find in Evan's favor. Sorry, Krista. Lisa and Andy, please come up to the stage. Lisa and Andy. Hi, Lisa and Andy. Brought your own cheering section. Uh, what's your dispute? By the way, I don't think people on the podcast can hear the uh, wonderful array of shoulder tattoos that I've been, <laughs> that I've been enjoying. It's been a one, two, three for all the, the past three litigants who have bared their shoulders. It's a beautiful tattoo. Thank you so much. Sir, do you have any tattoos? I, I do not, I see. unfortunately. Well, all right, I find in your wife's face. Or, uh, <laughs> oh, God. Are you married? Uh, no. He's my brother. He's your brother? <laughs> Well, then, no, I will not marry you. I don't know why. What is the nature of your dispute? Um, Your Honor, my brother and I are training to run the Boston uh, Half Marathon, which is uh, in just a couple weeks. And uh, we actually ran a half marathon together in June. And in between that time and this time, we decided that we would do a little bit more intensive training so that we can improve our time. And we check in with each other pretty frequently about it. And each time, he keeps telling me I need to run on the treadmill more. Um, I always will run outside as my first option unless I really have to run on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. I do run on the treadmill pretty frequently, especially when the summer it was really hot here in Boston. Um, But it's getting really annoying. The treadmill is a great tool. It's something I use, but I know I've been running just as long, if not longer, than my brother. And if I choose to run outside, uh, I think that is valid. And they're just, you can't train exclusively on a treadmill. Lisa, Lisa, I get it. You want, you want to move through the world and experience it. You don't want to run on a wheel like a rodent. Thank you. <laughs> so, brother Andy. Yes. Why are you telling her to do something when she doesn't want to do it? Well, because really she's becoming more of like a running hipster at this point. She just wants to have the like authentic experience of running all the time, which I, listen, I, I, there's nothing wrong with it. Running in Boston is fantastic. I really enjoy it. But I thought we had reached the nadir of the meaninglessness of the word hipster. <laughs> Until I heard that she's a running hipster. (laughs) All your arguments mean nothing. Uh. You're asking her to do something she doesn't want to do. Why are you telling her that she has to do this? Well, because when we have these discussions about how her running is going, it's often, uh, you're from the Commonwealth, you know that it's very hot in the summer and it's cold in the winter and it's not always doable to run outside. Is the the half marathon held on treadmills? (laughs) It's just a series of treadmills, What training benefit does she get from treadmills but it's Com- better than the training but if she gets from running outside. Completing a run, because she will often say, oh, I tried to go running, but it was too hot, and well, it's like 100 degrees out. Yeah, you can actually do a run on a treadmill because it's room temperature. Let me, let me ask you, maybe I don't understand what a half marathon is. Is a half marathon a full marathon, but one of you carries the other one half the time? <laughs> Pretty much. It's a relay, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't, uh, is it a relay? <laughs> no. 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 Right? It's, it's, you guys are each running your own race, correct? Yes. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Each, each one of you runs your own race. You know how to decide this? Beat him in the race. <laughs> Train however you want to. <laughs> Thank you, Thank Judge. You. That is all. Charlie and Zach, please. Charlie and Zach, do you have any shoulder tattoos that I should be aware of? Unfortunately, no. I, I'm sorry. I was not told to prepare. <laughs> Uh, what are your ages? You both seem like young people. 19. 19. Also 19. 19. You, you know, when I was 19 years old, I couldn't get a tattoo in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I had to go to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. 
You guys have all seen my dumb prison tattoo, right? Sorry. It's a diamond. It's a diamond. I, if you can't believe it, I designed it myself. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an homage to a, a story, Death in the Compass, by Jorge Luis Borges. And uh, it, it cost, it cost, what did you yell? No, nerd? Is that, did I hear that correct? I, I just want to hear how hard that pot is calling this kettle black. <laughs> That's a pretty chill tattoo to get at 19. <laughs> Cost $20. $20. Uh, so I'm just letting you know. Now you live in an age where uh, you can do whatever you want here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, get a tattoo at the age of 19. Uh, so uh, what tattoos are you guys going to get? Can I, can I see your tattoo again? <laughs> no. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get tattoo. Why weren't you paying attention the first time? Well, I just wanna get it in my, in my mind so I can tell the guy in vivid detail exactly what I want and where I want it. I'll attribute it to Which you. Which one are you again? I'm Charlie. I find in Charlie's favor. <laughs> now, now that I've made the order, let's go back and see if I was right. <laughs> Zach? What's yes. the problem here? Uh, Charlie is the uh, plaintiff here, actually. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> All right, Plaintiff Charlie, what's the problem? Uh, so Zach and I, being, being all young and hip and that, use this app called Snapchat to communicate. We get it. You're running hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an, also a function on Snapchat where you can send messages to each other. But the thing is, like the pictures, the messages disappear once you look at them. And so, I think that when Zach tries to have conversations with me using this message feature, I lose the ability to really have a meaningful conversation because there's a lack of context and it becomes disjointed because I'm trying to remember the last thing he said and form a cohesive argument. And so I think it would be easier if Zach wants to have a conversation with me, he can text me, which is just as easy to reach because they're both on your phone. Now, let the record show That's that true. That Zach, he's got a point. When Zach heard the word text, he threw his head back in disdain. <laughs> Zach, what do you well? think I am, a millennial? <laughs> Sorry, old man. <laughs> Zach, why won't you text with your friend? Okay, I just want to point this out. He's not talking about uh, large conversations here. To, to an extent, I am. He, the first time that he ever got upset about me texting him via Snapchat was when I asked him where he was sitting in the dining hall. That's not a conversation that requires a long record of every word I said. That is a very, very quick message that he can relay very quickly. I would like to uh, dispute that claim. When I first gave Zach my phone number, it was over Snapchat message because I said, perhaps this would be easier if we texted. Why don't you guys just whisper together in your telekinetic made-up twin language? You, you should see up in the mezzanine, there's a third one of us. <laughs> there's, a, there's a third one? There is a third one. We're communicating him with, right, with him right now, actually. <laughs> hey, Danny. Oh. You don't need to say it. He well, understands. They, they, I'm, I'm translating. As fun as it was visiting with the village of the damned. <laughs> 
I have to say my initial instinct is correct, that Charlie is right. Just text message with your friend. The point of conversations is to be able to in- understand each other. And unfortunately, he's too dim to get the Snapchats or anything. <laughs> and you want, to com- you want to communicate with him, so do it. There you go. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Judge Hodgman, we've got another case. Would you like to retire to your chambers? I do. Okay. Um, Well, first of all, I'd like to bring out an expert for our next case. Uh, You might know him from the TV Guidance Counselor podcast or from his stand-up comedy, Boston's own Ken Reed. Hello, Ken. Thank you very much. Tonight's case, law and gag order. Tim brings the case against his wife, Hina. Hina likes to watch a certain house-buying reality television show when she's unwinding. Tim watches with her while providing his own, sometimes snarky, commentary. Tim's comments bother Hina, who likes to enjoy the show for what it is. Tim would like to continue to hate-watch the show. (laughs) Who's right, who's wrong, please rise, metaphorically, as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. We each have the choice whether to be a good or a bad influence in the lives of others. Two, in a lifetime, if we are truly lucky, we meet that special somebody who fits us perfectly, the person whose weird matches ours completely. Three, the first step in bringing an idea to life is putting pen to paper. Four, It's much easier to follow the popular path than it is to be a man of character. Five, knowledge is all about perspective. The more you learn, the less you discover that you know. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, 
so help you God or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he believes that your homes and the homes of all the people present are technically his property? I do. I do. Very well. Uh, you may be seated. Tim and Hina, for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors, can you name the piece of culture that I quoted as I entered the courtroom? Hina, you are brought here against your will by Tim. So you have the choice to guess first or make Tim guess first. Which shall you choose? I'll make him guess first. He's going to guess first. Very popular option. Tim, what is your guess? Uh, was it original House Hunters host Suzanne Huang? Whoa, deep cut. <laughs> deep cut. Tim, can I give you some advice? You're doing great with deep cuts so far, but be careful, because for every original House Hunters host, Tina Huang, there's a rap and forte that's really gonna die out there. <laughs> Sometimes deep cuts don't heal. <laughs> uh, I can fix that. All right, we'll put that in the guest book. Hina, what is your guess? Biblical verse. Biblical verse, we'll put that into the guest book. Before I evaluate the uh, validity of your guesses and their wrongness, <laughs> you think I don't know who is the current host of House Hunters? The great Andromeda Dunker? There it is. That was it. That was the one for you. That, <laughs> too, too deep. Too deep a cut. Well, wait until I start talking about Antiques Roadshow host Mark L. Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, known, the the world over. known the world over as the world's worst Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> Not in Boston. No. Not in Boston. Half this crowd's been punched by the other Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> they both look good in their underpants, though, don't they? <laughs> both, both are guesses, but all guesses are wrong. It's very hard to put these together, these cultural references. Sometimes something doesn't just come to mind. Sometimes you need to do a little research. Sometimes, though, the perfect thing presents itself immediately via Google. <laughs> As when you Google in certain search terms and immediately get the first result, five quotes from the Property Brothers that get me through tough times. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And in case you were wondering, the, the quotes in order were by J.D. Scott, the other one. J.D. Scott again, Drew Scott, Jonathan, and then Jonathan again. So you're wrong, so we have to hear this case. The show that you watch, and we we'll, might as well just reveal it at this point, right, uh, is not Property Brothers, but it is the show... House Hunters. House Hunters. And not House Hunters International? If I've gone through the DVR of all of the House Hunters, then I will do House Hunters International, Tiny House Hunters, or House Hunters Off the Grid. But you're but saying... <laughs> you're saying House Hunters Domestic is your number, it's your number one? It is. Oh, you sure. could not be more wrong, madam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in awe of how many House Hunters there are. <laughs> This is, like, uh, this is like looking too deep into uh, adult subreddits. <laughs> there's curvy house hunters. There's house hunters with Sonic the Hedgehog. What? 
If you think House Hunters fan fiction does not exist, <laughs> I am so sure you're wrong. But Ken, wouldn't you agree that House Hunters International is superior to House Hunters? Absolutely, yes. And it's, it's the House Hunters version of having a guest star. Yeah, but you know why? Because these, these shows are all about stories, right? It's all about narrative, right? You have House Hunters, what do you have? Two people hunting a house. Because why? They need to move, because whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? How's it international? It's already premised on a mystery. Why do these people have to leave the country? Yeah. It's all these families that are like, you know, Rick and Tina suddenly found they needed to move. <laughs> That's to, not easy to, to countries do. with lax extradition laws. <laughs> How come on international house hunters, they also always change their names? That's right, exactly so. Yeah. Well, because if they called them Julian Assange, they would know where to find him. Yeah. That was a good episode. <laughs> In any case, you like, you like House Hunters. Yes. You're, real, you're into it. What do you like about it? You can tell I'm on your side to some degree. Because yes. I, I also enjoy these shows. Well, I mean, it's just, it's a way to decompress after a really long complex day at work. But why this particular show is uh, opposed to any other, or this, or this family of shows? Well, because I am a big fan of house hunting, and I live in my grown-up house now, so I can't house hunt in my real life, and so I can live vicariously through these people. Do you, you live in your grown-up house? Yes. Where, where in the Boston area? Um, we live in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, all right. Woo! People are howling for Shrewsbury. Strange. <laughs> Tim, uh, you also live in uh, Hina's grown-up house, as she calls it? <laughs> she does allow me to uh, sleep there, yes. Okay, good. And uh, you uh, do not like to watch The House Hunters. I do not like to watch House Hunters for its face value of entertainment. Well, you mean you, have, you don't, but you have contempt for it. Correct. What makes you have contempt for it? Well, just as a New Englander and someone who is of a generation that grew up with David Letterman and David Spade's Hollywood Minute, I just have... No one grew up with that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing against it, but that was, that's not possible. <laughs> that arrests development. No, I just, I'm just saying that I, I have a, you know, a, you know, a well of dark bile that needs to be vented onto something. And why not this show that is on in my house? Well, Judge because... Hodgman, he grew up with David Letterman, yeah. Adam Sandler's opera man. Yeah. The classics. So yeah. why not completely destroy the one thing your wife seems to enjoy? It makes perfect sense. Letterman to that. I think it's about having a cultural equivalency between the two of us. Um, you know, when I found out a few years ago through um, a number of different sources that the, the show at this point is not really based in reality, and they made they at had a this menu, point they <laughs> originally for those for those who don't know the history of House Hunters, in the seventies it was a Verde series yeah, for yeah. PBS. It was yeah, it was more of a nature show. That's right. It was a stark realistic documentary yeah. about an American family yep. hunting for a home yeah. in which to live. And then there was that episode where the ranch house came out 
Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it was television's first gay house. It's true. <laughs> but is there a show that you enjoy to unwind that you will watch? He doesn't need to unwind. Why doesn't he need to unwind? Because you're such a chill dude. <laughs> Filled with bile. Sir, sir, are you David Lee Roth? Zibidabot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's already said that he has to off-gas his vile, his vile bile. Um, because the, in the, of the two of us, I have chosen the kind of less challenging career path so that I can um, spend more time with our children at home and taking care of the household because she... Because you have a very challenging job, and you are, you are not physically in the home enough to, you know, help with a lot of the things that need to be done. So why not? It sounds like a complaint, though. You, you, that just started as a compliment and turned into a complaint. Yeah. No, so... But when I'm she, just excited because in my imagination, he works at Margaritaville. Uh. <laughs> but I'm, I'm away enough that he can decompress watching shows whenever he wants. Hina, what is your, what is your career? I'm a surgeon. You are a surgeon. What kind of surgery do you perform on human beings who put their lives in your hands? I do trauma and emergency surgery. Trauma and emergency <laughs> surgery. So I operate on anywhere from the neck to the pelvis, and I take out spleens, and I fix holes in lungs, right. and I can, you so, know, do all that But if that it's stuff. below the pelvis, you're like, uh-uh, get well, away. Well, if it's... <laughs> you're going to have to die... die Department. If it's a vascular injury, I'll fix it. But if it's a bone, then we have orthopedic surgeons. Okay, I got you. So, yeah. Hino, what exactly do you need to decompress from? <laughs> Tim, what, aside from doing all the household management and, and parenting that you do, do you have a career on top of that? Um, I'm a marketing and communications uh, manager, but I am uh, presently unemployed. Okay, so the, you're, you're a stay-at-home dad and household manager and housekeeper and, and dude there, like that, right? Yes, but I would complain about the show when I was employed also. Okay. <laughs> he just got laid off recently. <laughs> because you have time on your hands. Yes. That's right. You have all, all the time in the world and mental energy in the world to devote to developing some first-class snark against house hunters. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Ken, this is a uh, style of watching television that's called hate watching. As you are a yes. television expert, do you have an opinion on this I phenomenon? do. Uh, hate watching is best done in groups, uh, like-minded groups. Hate watching is generally not advised when there are only two people and only one of them is hate watching. <laughs> um, now, that's called divorce fomenting. Yes, yes. In any of those scenarios, hate anything is generally frowned upon. But hate watching sort of developed in the pre millennium age when people were forced, literally forced, to watch things they did not want to watch because people didn't want to change channels. So if you had a show you liked at 9 and the other person in the house had one at 8.30 they liked that you hated, you would watch that show because you wouldn't leave the room until your show started at 9, therefore hate watching permissible. To be clear, we're talking about Seinfeld and the single guy. Yes. <laughs> Just the NBC 930 slot in general. Yeah. Between ER and Seinfeld, anything that fell into that slot, you could hate watch because yeah. you wouldn't get up. With apologies to Caroline Ray. Yes. Yes. Uh, in the 21st century, when we can basically program anything we want at any time, it really isn't a necessity anymore and simply becomes 
something that's just poor judgment. I, or, or, or a sick indulgence. Yes. It becomes more about the person you are watching it with than the show. But Ken, I have a question for you. You're a television expert. I mean, in my opinion, the problem with never hate watching is like, I have a lot of time to fill with television and there just aren't a lot of TV shows these days. It's true. There are only four TV shows these days. Yeah. Three of them are House Hunters variations. <laughs> but I don't want to censor Tim because maybe he's a brilliant hate watcher. Maybe he's getting out some really sick burns on House Hunters. He may be very good at it, but, but it's more about appropriateness and not about skill level. Well, did you bring any example of your sick burns? Do you have evidence? I did not. You did not. There have been 538 episodes of the show, and they all blur together in a mishmash of hateable people who shouldn't be buying houses. <laughs> so, like, what are the kinds of things you'll say that will ruin Hina's enjoyment of the show? And I'll, why do these people not deserve to join the landed <laughs> class? Yes. And more importantly, why do you know exactly how many episodes? of this show is because I have a suspicion you may be pre-watching these while your wife is at work and writing your, pre-writing your burns. Yeah. Like you have a writer's room with your kids where they like kind of all work out some material. She does make our children watch also. She makes your children watch? Yes. Like against their will? <laughs> I walk in the house and they know to turn on House Hunters. They know to turn it on because mama's home, mm -hmm. or else she might, she might not perform vascular surgery when it's required. Hina, you did bring some evidence, did you not? I have it here on that, my sheet. I mean, that I use it to unwind, yes. What is the physical evidence? Oh, it's which... a little PowerPoint that I made. <laughs> I will allow it. In your free time between saving lives. That's right. <laughs> Let's see the PowerPoint. She needs it to distress. Oh, this is your, a Facebook post. Had a crazy-ass night in the OR. Had to bring my A-game to a high-stakes seminar today with the dean and lots of other important folks. Unscheduled afternoon, so I snuck home. Had my husband, who is working from home today, pour a generous bowl of kata mita. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. Thank you. Put on PJs and took it upstairs to eat while I watch House Hunters. Seated on my heated mattress pad to calm the wicked backache from operating is a weird position. And that's uh, kata mita? Yes. And what is kata mita? I've it's never like Indian crack. <laughs> I take it you are of Indian ancestry? That is correct. And what, and what, is, what is it actually made out of? It's like... It's kind of like an Indian version of uh, Chex Mix, and it's like a spicy, sweet You got me. No, no, you don't have to tell any more than that. <laughs> uh, sold in the room. All right. Yeah, you could have just summarized by saying, yeah, it's the hotness. Right. <laughs> this is it. So far, he's being really nice. What's the next slide, please? She may need a 12-step program. House Hunters, I need a daily dose. Not Anna Kendrick. What? Anna Kendrick? How oh, House Hunters should be called Couples Realizing They Should See Other People. Good one, movie star Anna Kendrick. Yeah, really. What makes her so popular is that she understands the common person. Yeah. Yeah. She has the common touch. Have you ever heard him repeat like a burn to House Hunters that clearly Anna Kendrick wrote? <laughs> <laughs> All right, next slide, please. Does he ever say, here's another Kendrick classic? <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, the great poet Anna Kendrick said. <laughs> she has tried to find alternatives, stopped in the house to control-alt-delete myself after a night on call, Nice uh, terminology, I like that. 
Walked into Sunil watching American Ninja Warrior. Is that your son? Yes. Yeah, okay. Now everyone is gone and I'm still sitting here watching. Could this be my new House Hunters? <laughs> Next slide, please. House Hunters hitting our first ever Chicago condo building. Oh, you missed, okay. Sometimes it makes you cry. Oh, I see. So it says sometimes it makes her cry and you, and you saw House Hunters in Chicago and it made yeah. you cry. They're in Chicago a lot and I get sentimental for where I did my surgery training. Oh, okay, gotcha. So it's a, you feel a personal feeling, all right. Got it, next. How many of these are there, by the way? <laughs> 536, the same amount of episodes. <laughs> I, I assumed the editors would maybe cut a few out. Well, let's go to the next one. Sometimes it makes her angry, next. Some mothers dream for their children to go to Harvard, but you dream me while driving on Newton Street in Brookline, Mass. Wow, look at those houses, they're so beautiful. Sona, they're all tutors, right? Is that your daughter? That's my daughter. Such a proud mama moment. Next slide. Okay, I, th I think I get the idea. These, I, I appreciate that you made 3,000 slides for me to read and describe for a podcast, but I think that that, that, that moment when Sona said all tutors and you felt that flush of pride, yes. I, have to I felt a little something there myself. Tim, this is obviously very meaningful to your wife. Do you take more pleasure in making fun of house hunters or making her feel bad? <laughs> I'm not trying to make her feel bad. What is it he does? Does he make comments? Well, if he wants to make comments, I'd rather he talk about the curb appeal or the trim and the molding or like, oh, what a terrible bathroom. And instead he's like, that's what he decided to wear on national TV. And, and he often will sort of get into the irrationality of some of the, the potential home buyers with, you know, the disconnect between the budget and the wants and things like that. Whereas I just want to appreciate the properties. Do you, what, do you think you could do better? You could dress better on national TV if you were hunting for a house there, Tim? No comment. Okay. <laughs> Tim, now, to, to your point of it being a, a, a fake show, it, it is. Almost every single person on House Hunters has already purchased a house, and then they sort of reverse engineer the other two choices. But, what? Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, they'll often find someone who's already bought a house, and then they'll find two other houses knowing that they won't pick that house, and then they found the house they want. But the story, it sounds also, like... Also, Mark L. Wahlberg is really a lizard person. Yes. <laughs> yes. These are things that we know because we're in show business. Yes. This is what's revealed on day one in showbiz school. But it sounds like you don't care what house they pick, you just want a house creep, where you look at another house that you don't live in. Right. Yes. Tim, do you ever look at other women? I don't see how that applies here. Okay. Um, now, point being, is there, there is no show that you watch that is your show that you enjoy. Parks and Recreation? Sure. Okay. So you that, can watch that at 10, 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 12 p.m., that, that all day true. long. That is true. And yeah. you know that show is fake. <laughs> <laughs> but it's much better than House Hunters. I Somewhat. guess, how does this ruin your experience of watching House Hunters if he's making these comments? Because I just want to sit and relax and watch the show. Why is that not enough for you to keep your trap shut for a minute, Tim? <laughs> because I'm being forced to watch a show that is fake, that is at best mediocrely produced, 
And when there's so much more television to be watched out there, that is much better, as Ken pointed out, and there are only so many hours in the day. What would you have me order that you watch instead? Parks and Recreation. <laughs> she has not seen an episode. Oh, I see. You haven't even seen the episode featuring the public radio hosts? <laughs> one of them was super handsome and super cool. Yeah, I was also in that one. <laughs> uh, you've never watched Parks and Rec? No. Is, is how, much time, how much time in the evening do you have to watch television? Well, I usually, depending on when I get home, will watch television until I fall asleep. Give me, some, give me some numbers. Oh, me some, you get, know, what time like do you get home? An hour, hour and a half max. So half 90 the, minutes of TV? Yeah. And, and half you the fill time. that all up with House Hunters? Yes. <laughs> What's the most number of House Hunters you've watched in a row? Ballpark? Five. Five. Okay. So do the math. It's two and a half hours, right? More or less? Okay, gotcha. How so much do you watch? It's different on a weekend. So on a weekend, how much do you watch? Until the DVR is empty. <laughs> Can I ask you a serious question? Have you ever hid house hunters around the house? <laughs> In the toilet I, bowl, yeah, for example. <laughs> have you ever lied about your relationship with house hunters? No. Do you think you have a problem? Watching house hunters? Do no. you have an, an I think addiction? it's a perfectly valid way to have some mindless stuff to Is there anything else that you watch? Well, so we Do you have 300 episodes of House Hunters piled by your bed? No, I don't. No? But I want to thank you for validating my need to buy 65 more pairs of shoes. Do you also, do you also have 300 pairs of shoes? It could, that could have been our case. What's uh, that? I'm let sorry? the record show that she's wearing a necklace of a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tim, you would like me to order her to watch one episode of Parks and Recreation? Yes. And limit her watching of House Hunters? Yes. To what? How many, how many episodes per day? Weekdays? Weekdays, one episode of House Hunters. Oh. That's good. Even that, even that made me gasp. You can't watch just one of those things, but all right, I'll take it under advisement. They only on the weekend, one new one every day. On the, weekend, on the weekend, how many episodes can she watch per day? Five. Five? Oh, whoa, what a generous husband you've become. It's because I work a lot of weekends. This is only when I'm home. I'm Hina, why is it intolerable for you to watch one episode of Parks and Rec for every one episode of House Hunters? I mean, I, I, I guess I could do it. I don't know. All right. It I've heard everything I need tough. to. I'm going to go uh, binge watch um, all my episodes of uh, Blind Spot, <laughs> <laughs> by which I mean both of them, and watch myself die again and again and again and contemplate and that's what that's what gives me comfort yeah you had time to watch it weirdo i'll be back in a moment with my decision please rise metaphorically as just john hodgman exits the courtroom uh tim can i ask you a quick question have you ever seen the television show comedy bang bang on uh, ifc the independent film channel i am familiar i was on that one time we're just listing our TV credits, right? I, uh, I have zero TV credits, but I do have a list of people, things, and places that I know that have gotten TV credits before me. <laughs> uh, including my DVD box set of the show Wonderfalls, which appeared on Last Comic Standing. And uh, my, my uncle's dog, Thor, who ran away and was found by a man named Thor. <laughs> oh. 
I will oh. say that uh, Hina has also appeared in uh, at least one episode of a uh, real-life uh, medical documentary show. Oh, so you also go on my list of people who have gotten a television credit yeah. before me. Um, but I, two questions I had for you is, it seems like you enjoy looking at houses. Yes. So a recommendation I would have is, uh, I call it catch and release house hunting. And they're called open houses. And you can go into them on weekends and walk around and that's it. So I used to do that all the time when we were in Chicago. But then she became a doctor and had much easier access to pills. Yeah. Yes. Right. No, it's just, it's harder to orchestrate in the suburbs. It was so easy in the city. You'd pick a neighborhood and just walk into open houses and pretend. By open houses, you mean houses having an open house, not just yes. unlocked houses. Right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I've never been to Chicago uh, at any length of time, so I don't know how it is. And also, there are several other shows set in Chicago that you may find very soothing, such as Punky Brewster, um, or Chicago Hope, a medical drama. No, so no, no. No medical, no. okay. I would go with Punky Brewster then, much less depressing. Um, it's about a little girl abandoned in a shopping mall by her mother, uh, and she's found by a, an elderly gentleman who's a confirmed bachelor and wears French cuffs. Although, although Ken, downside, no Mandy Patinkin. No Mandy Patinkin. Yeah. So that's going to be a downside for that one. That's a downside for everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see what Judge John Hodgman has to say about all of this. Please rise metaphorically as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. You may be seated. Some stories are told for a number of reasons. Uh, historically, stories have been told uh, as a way of um, keeping and passing down history in the oral tradition or uh, uh, moral instruction uh, and uh, cohering a group under a certain common moral code. They have been told uh, to uh, entertain uh, and they have been told simply to distract. You tell a story around a fire so you don't have to think about what is out there in the dark behind you. Um, some stories are challenging, some stories uh, are provocative and make you change your mind, and some stories just lull you into a beautiful, beautiful state of meditative contemplating of open kitchen plans. <laughs> but there, there is a certain pleasure that is taken uh, from story when it creates an expectation and defies it in interesting ways. There's a certain uh, satisfaction that comes from engaging in a story that creates an expectation through the narrative and defies it in a completely mind-boggling way and a troubling way. And then there's a certain pleasure that comes from a story that creates an expectation and satisfies it perfectly every time. That is why we have police procedurals. That is why we have uh, uh, detective novels where you can figure it out halfway through and can feel smarter than the author. <laughs> and that is why we have House Hunters both here and abroad and in small homes and underground homes and homes that float in the air and homes that are inside of other homes. <laughs> secret second homes where you keep secret families, that sort of all different stripe of homes in the world. And you, Tim, have an abundance of, not that you do not work incredibly hard, because parenting is incredibly challenging, but you, I, 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 and, and obviously all the other stuff you do around the house too, presuming that you actually do it, I'm guessing. He does. Yeah, but but, you, but I, I think it's fair to say that you do not have 
the level of stress visited upon you uh, that, your, that your wife does in her life, literally life-saving and death-avoiding job uh, that she does every day. And her needs of story are different from yours, perhaps because of the different pace of day that you guys have, or perhaps it's just because she likes what she likes. What she needs when she comes home is to zone out to this thing that gives her pleasure. There she knows exactly the beats as they are going to come, and she can, she can sift through the minute differences between this same story that is told over and over and over again. It's always house two. <laughs> what she does not need is you ruining this for her by either uh, uh, implicit or explicit critique of the thing that she's enjoying. She does need to watch Parks and Recreation, however. <laughs> I, I think it's fair to say that because you are uh, putting your hands in other people's bodies uh, and saving their lives, I hope. <laughs> I do my best. Yes. That, that you should get what you want out of television when the time comes for you to watch it. Because you must be tired and you must enjoy pleasure. But like all things in life, you need to also have a varied cultural diet. And your husband enjoys something that he wants to share with you. And I think you should let that into your life. I do not think it is at all fair to suggest that she watch one episode of House Hunters uh, per day, that is a weird form of torture. <laughs> the, the point of the exercise is the repetition of the story over and over and over again. The psych watching what uh, Joseph Campbell called the, the, uh, the universal hero go through the, the depths of the underworld until finding that perfect deck. Do you know what I mean? Like, you need to see that universal myth mythos play over and over again at least twice. <laughs> But for the third story, an episode of Parks and Rec, I think, is there to balance it out. And maybe you'll find a new kind of pleasure, although that is a, that is a story that is extremely comforting, but also one that is a little bit uh, defies expectation in interesting ways. And I think you might enjoy it, and then, and then Tim will have that in his life. All I'm asking is that for every two, you watch one. And Tim, when she's watching those two, zip it. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules, that is all. Hina and Tim, ladies and gentlemen, from the TV Guidance Counselor podcast, Ken Reed. Judge Hodgman, we're almost done with tonight's proceedings, but uh, rather than closing with a recitation of uh, comforting television programs, Yes. Uh, why don't we close with some beautiful music? I think that sounds great. Will you introduce our guest once again? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the stage, Juliana Hatfield. After that, I want to sing a song about a house. Thank you. 
I was sitting in my car Looking at the house I was in the audience I was standing in the back of the club They're selling the house Thank you to Julianne Hatfield for playing some great music for us in Boston. Wild Stab is the album that she released with Paul Westerberg under the name The I Don't Cares. You can find it wherever music is sold. You can also visit juliannahatfield.com for more information. Thanks also to our friend Ken Reed, our TV expert witness. He's the host of the TV Guidance Counselor podcast, which you can find at tvguidancecounselor.com. It's really fun. He goes and gets a TV guide from his huge collection, and he and a guest break down the, uh, the TV lineups of that time period. It's a real fun show. 
We also want to thank all of our litigants in Boston who shared their arguments with us. A bunch of people helped us put on this show. Thanks to the staff at the Wilbur Theater, Daniel Davis, Matthew Barnhart, and Jennifer Marmer for putting the show together. Tickets are on sale now for Judge John Hodgman at San Francisco Sketchfest in January and Very, Very Fun Day in Chicago in February. Find ticket links and more information at MaximumFun.org. Tickets for Max FunCon, both West and East, are on sale now. You can find those tickets at MaxFunCon.com. We're looking for disputes for both of our live shows, that's San Francisco and Chicago, and for the podcast. Submit a case to Judge John Hodgman at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. A big one, a small one. It doesn't matter. We love them. If you're on the fence about it, just do it. MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. If you want to email us, Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.